listening to episode five of the Unity Society podcast, and my name is Dear Randolph. And I'm Jenny Randolph. And as we gather around today, I want to talk about the fact that I am changing jobs. I have a day job, as many of our listeners know. Uh, I'm a preacher by night and by weekend, I suppose. And uh, I have a day job. I'm getting ready to move out of it and into a different day job. And I'm, this is a definitely an upward move. It's exciting for a lot of reasons. But right now, the reason that I'm especially excited is there's about a two and a half week gap between the old job and the new job. And that means I have two and a half weeks to sort of pretend like Unity Society is my day job. And we've got so many big ideas and so much stuff that we want to do. And also, I'm just excited that I get to maybe sneak out with you and go have a cup of coffee and stuff like that and have big ideas instead of rushing right into the other thing. So that's exciting for me. I think it's going to be a good two and a half weeks for you to sort of have a break and maybe refocus on a little bit of stuff and just be together more. I think it's going to be nice. And maybe we'll go to Disney World. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. We often do. <laughs> We, we go there to mark all kinds of important things. Somebody gets fired or there's a there's a transition in the family or something. We always end up at Disney. It's just one of those things. It's the happiest place on earth, as they say. Um, speaking of important things, I'm also excited because tonight, this, is, this reveals the level of my emotional maturity, but I'm excited because tonight we are having peanut butter and jelly for dinner. And the thing is, yes... That doesn't sound very exciting, but if you know how things work around the Randolph Ranch, uh, you know that peanut butter and jelly night means that Jenny is going to make a very special bread that she makes, and it may well be... Let me back up. If aliens came down and they said, look, we want to blow up your planet because we need to make room for an intergalactic through affair or something, please prove that there's a reason why humanity needs to continue to exist the bread would be one of the things on the top of the list oh well you're very sweet it is it is a decent it's a decent bread for sure it's a recipe from my grandma and my great aunt and my mom and it's just really been passed down we make it into loaves of bread we make it into rolls at at um thanksgiving so it's just a basic it's just a basic white bread but like when my mom would make beef stew which is the rest there is a recipe on unity society for my mom's beef stew although i have made it vegetarian but she always served it with that white bread and you get to the point where you don't even measure anything so i'm going to attempt to put it on unity society but i really have to work at it because I'm not sure of the measurements, really, to be honest. I, I just throw things in, and if it feels right, if it looks right, and it's just a feeling. So it's, that's really hard to translate into a step-by-step -step recipe, but I think I'm going to try to do it. I'd love to see that. I think that this bread needs to be shared with the world. But I also think it's one of the reasons why I would be a dreadful baker, because I'm so in my head. One of the things that... I think I'm here on planet Earth to do is get out of my head and into my heart a little bit more, as corny as that sounds. And so for me, I need line by line by line. And so 
I think one of the reasons why you are such a wonderful baker is you are able to put your heart right into it and you are so in touch with what's going on and the people you're cooking for. It's like all of the good parts of that movie like Water for Chocolate, just that kind of a thing. And so I really admire that and I think that's one of the reasons why why I'm looking for this. Plus, come on, peanut butter and jelly, forget it. Yeah, and we usually get fresh ground peanut butter. You know, we go to the health food store and we just have so it's nothing it's just it really is in fact I brought it home yesterday and our son was like oh mom it's still warm from being ground and during the summer I do a lot of canning so we have a lot of strawberry preserves and cherry preserves that we can so I mean it this isn't peanut, exactly skippy and you know yeah peanut bread. butter and jelly sounds easy but not the way that we do it leave it to the randolphs to make peanut butter and jelly complicated, complicated but right. yeah by the way that's <laughs> rolling oats the finest uh, grocery store in st petersburg florida the finest city on the face of the earth and it's just down the street from our house so you can almost always find us there so speaking of st petersburg we did something this last saturday that was really close to my heart and i'm so proud that all four of us were there we participated in the women's solidarity march it was a sister march to the one that happened in dc and we showed up and with about twenty thousand other people and you know on on the national or global scale it was absolutely a smaller event but they didn't even think that they would get a thousand people when they started this. The organizer of the event said that they expected one or two hundred people or something like that. And it was just, they kept having to expand it. And we were walking on the sidewalks and they had to expand it into the streets. And it was just so beautiful. I love the fact that people from all over, there were people on all seven continents. Mm-hmm. People referred to it as the biggest protest. But for me, I didn't feel, there was a couple of people who were protesting. There was some here and there, little pockets of anti, pockets of protest, so to speak. But in general, it felt more like solidarity. It felt like cheering something on. It felt like standing up for something. Didn't you feel that? Oh yeah, and I think I made it specifically my mission to hold the space of not against, but for. Mm. And I think that that's an important distinction. And I think what I felt when I was there, and I was kind of astonished. And again, I can only speak for the people, the like the couple hundred people that were directly around us. Obviously, you can't speak for the whole 20,000 that were there. But the people that were directly around us, all ages, you had little kids, you had grandmas, you had grandpas, you had daddies, you had sons. Um, it didn't matter. There were all types, all ages that were there. And even though everybody knew that they were there because of a frustration or a fear that something is going to be taken away mm. or various other reasons, everyone there was so extraordinarily kind. I think kind is the word that I would use. There were no... Hey, you're stepping on my foot even. Yeah, people made space for people to walk by and we stood in a crowded lines together and even even when we went to go to get ice cream after the march was over, everybody was just so pleasant to each other and it just really spoke of 
solidarity. I really, really loved it. We don't even get that feeling from Disney when we go. <laughs> well, no, anything. If you're leaving a movie, even if everybody loved the movie, that stampede to get out, there's always a little bit of a stressful thing there. I don't want to get in anybody's way. I don't want to be bumped into. And when you're watching a movie in some places, you go, is, is it my, should I make sure my wallet's okay? You know, all the crazy things that sometimes people think about. None of that. It really felt like family. It really did. Like I said, Disney is supposed to be, you know, this ultimate, you know, happiest place on earth and people are supposed to be there having a good time with their kids and we we all know we're there for the same reason. We've spent a lot of money. <laughs> we want an experience there. And so you would think that people would be open to allowing people to have their experience, but it's always feels like, well, I need to get in this line before somebody else. Let's go beat the system. Let's go do this. And I just think it has been a very long time since I have felt that much of a kindred spirit with other people. And again, I go back to the word kind. Everybody was so kind. And to get past the level of, yeah, we're frustrated. But we're going to be nice to each other. It really was the epitome of the golden rule. And mm -hmm. I was so, so, so proud to be a part of it. Regardless of what, you know, the political ramifications of it or anything like that. And obviously, if you follow us on any kind of social media, you know where we're coming from. And I am not going to back down from what I believe. And I'm not going to back down from what I think is the right thing, but I'm also not going to tear somebody down for what they believe. No, and you know, I have a, a on the Unity Society Facebook account, and I have a Dieter Randolph, like a public figure <laughs> uh, Facebook account. I don't get political there. I have a personal one where I do, but there's, Which is a, appropriate. there's a boundary there. And, and I really do my best to keep that boundary very clear. But once again, the difference is the difference between standing for something and standing against something. When people are at Disney, a lot of times, it, you know, this is a fun place, but I have paid $17 billion to be here today, and by golly, I'm going to see everything. I'm not going to wait in a long line. I'm going to get my food. I'm going to get my stuff. I'm going to get my entertainment. And so it's very much, I'm going to do this for me. I'm going to get my stimulation, if you want, from that. The difference between that and this event was the difference between what am I going to get out of it versus I want to be part of something that's bigger than I am. And that's why it was so peaceful. There were zero arrests here at the St. Petersburg one, and I think that, that almost all of them had that kind of a thing. There was no violent altercations, and there was a couple of people that were standing on the sidelines heckling or whatever. Not many. And the idea was we're not against anything. I certainly don't need anyone to agree with me politically. That's not the point. The point instead is find something that you can be excited about, passionate about, love, and stand up for it. I've probably quoted this somewhere before, whether it's on the podcast or somewhere, but musicians have that saying, put it in your amplifier. If you've got frustration and heartache and whatever, take it and make it into art. Make it into something good. And it's that wonderful alchemical thing of turning lead into gold that we saw on Saturday where, yeah, there was frustration. But I'm going to take this frustration and I'm going to stand for something. I'm going to stand for love. It was beautiful because it was democracy in action. But more importantly for me, it was the golden rule in action. leads 
leads us perfectly into the next segment that we call Dig In. I was having a conversation with somebody the other day and they said the problem is that we're not reaching people. We meaning we in unity are not reaching people the way that we ought to be reaching people. And I think that there is some truth there for sure. I mean, obviously there's always more that we can do. We believe that there's this this set of teachings, a set of ideas that can absolutely change the world, make people's lives better, let there be peace on earth, and all of it. And so, of course, I you know I always say if you're excited about a restaurant, you want to tell your friends about it. Of course, I want to reach people to a higher degree. But I think that the people who come in the doors on a Sunday morning, or the people who listen to this podcast, or the people who read Lessons in Truth because Maya Angelou told them to, or whatever. I think that people are being reached. So maybe it's not exactly about reaching people, but rather it's it's a an issue of can we inspire the people who have been reached? And here's what I mean. One of the criticisms that people have about unity is that it on the outside, if you're not really paying attention, it can seem selfish. In other words, there are people that come with that same Disney mentality where I took my Sunday morning and I'm working on my healing, my prosperity, my demonstration, and I want to do these things. Of course you can't give something you don't have. Of course you are entitled to a personal experience of the divine. Of course that means healing and prosperity and all that stuff. But something has to happen where you attach to something bigger than yourself finding that bigger thing I think is the difference between just passing time or in fact just being numb and making a difference growing in the conversation I had with this person one of the things we talked about was if you look at ancient Greek civilization for example it was deeply devout in many ways there was a profound concept of the gods and all of that and they were really a part of everyday life but in that civilization for the first time really we had leisure time and as a result of having leisure time you see a development of art like you never have before uh, science and mathematics like you never had before philosophy like you never had before and there was these amazing breakthroughs because we had the time to do it but also there was an attachment with there's this concept of gods there's this concept of this bigger thing and so the things I do whether I'm doing it out of fear or whatever we'll talk about that another time but because I'm attaching to something transcendent I'm doing something good and you compare that with let's say the Roman society where the gods are just kind of a social thing and when the Romans would conquer a new civilization they would just take on those gods too and they didn't really mean much it wasn't a big deal you had them and maybe you had a thought about it but it wasn't a driving force in culture in the same way and in that culture and, and clearly I'm not a historian but just as a broad strip overgeneralization maybe but there's a point in here the things that were invented had a lot less to do with profundity and a lot more to do with entertainment you had the Colosseum you had amazing and sometimes pretty disgusting ways to uh, gratify your own individual appetites and senses. You had Baroque ways to, to punish and torture other people. You had a lot, but not a lot. And so I would argue that the only difference between those societies is the level of attachment to something bigger. You know, smarter people than me have debated the, the reasons for the fall of the Roman Empire, but from where I sit on this orange couch, a big part of it was the uh, uh, forgetfulness 
that the things we do right now in the imminent need to be attached to something transcendent. You got to find something bigger. I agree. I would say that you have to have that personal experience with God. You must. You have to start there first because if you don't start there first, where are you going to go? If you don't know thyself. Yeah. You have to have where you're at, what you believe, the formula that you follow, the list of, of rules and morals and ethics that you follow, where your spirituality is going or coming from, what your relationship with God is, or even if you believe in God, I would argue you always have to start at home base. You always have to start with yourself. Mm-hmm. Because we don't know anything else. I don't know what you're thinking. I don't know what you're feeling. And it would be crazy of me to even assume. And I think that that's when you get into like cult status. <laughs> is when you start really thinking that you know what everybody else wants. Or what everybody else needs. Isn't that interesting? Because the cult <laughs> thing is when you know better than other people. And or when your divinity is somewhere outside of yourself. In other words, I need this guru or this special place. And so it's a combination of the wrong orientation internally and the wrong orientation externally. Of course you gotta start with yourself because that's where you make contact with the divine. But the challenge comes when we stop there. Mm. And it is the transition from self to service. I like that, that needs to be embroidered on something. But it really is. Yeah. It's like it's it's coming from myself and taking these beliefs that I have and then moving them out into your family, for instance. You're going to teach your kids. And your kids are going to have some flavor of what you have imparted, um, whether they like it or not, because you have raised them, you have given them. And taking it out into your church family, into your community. Again, going back to the march, it wasn't so much that I was against anything, I was for. I know myself, I know the direction that I would like to go in. I have an idea of what I think is fair and right and proper. And I'm going to extend that out as far as I can reach. So again, yeah, it's that transition from having this knowledge and having this relationship with something higher than yourself and discovering that first, but I think the key is not staying with yourself. Hmm. Because that's when it becomes selfish. Because if you figure out the answers to the universe, that's really selfish not to share. And even <laughs> but you know, and well, that's, that's the, the Bodhisattva vow, that's the thing. Right. And so it, it I mean, and that's an extreme example, obviously. But it is. If if you we want to share so many things, if I figure out a life hack, for example, I, I share it with everybody. It's like oh, I just found this this best laundry detergent, <laughs> and so every and if anybody asks, I'm like, you know what, you really should try this. It's really really good, and and so we do it on a level of material things. But I think that maybe we're afraid, or yeah, maybe just afraid, afraid of being wrong, well, afraid of being the, criticized. The great divider, right? Yeah. And if you don't believe in anything, you can only really go so far. And you might bump up against some kind of a profound truth, but you won't know it when you see it. If you just move from doubt to doubt, it's very hard to do anything productive. The next level out is living your life in opposition to something. 
But then what you've created is a giant brick wall that you will bump your head up against over and over again. If all you are is a vanquisher of dragons, there's always going to be more dragons in your life because we increase what we praise. We get more of what we pay attention to. You can't live your life in opposition to something. And we'll talk more about that in a little bit, but you have to find something that is bigger than yourself if you want to grow. And Obviously for us, because we're unity people, that bigger something is God. But it doesn't matter to me what you call it. Even if that bigger something is justice or beauty, art, truth, um, anything. Or a really, really good peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I'm dying right now because i got to wait until tonight before I can... You haven't even started baking it yet, but we'll talk about that later. You have to find something bigger. And I would argue that if you really have a concept of something bigger, the service will happen automatically. Sometimes people spend a lot of time going, well, what's the right thing to do? And I would say, if you have a clear enough, I'm not talking about completely clear, because you can't fit a complete perception of the infinite in your moment of perception. I'm not talking about complete clarity. I'm just talking about clear enough. If you have a clear enough perception of that bigger something, whether it's God, love, truth, beauty, uh, justice, revolution, whatever it is, growth. If you have a clear enough perception of it, you'll want it so bad that you will do stuff automatically. And so you can kind of walk backwards through that and ask yourself, am I doing something about it? Because if I'm not doing something about it, I'm not working hard enough at seeing it. In other words, am I doing enough loving things to, with my partner? Well. If not, if you're not moving your butt, then you need to work on your concept of love a little bit more. Don't force it by, oh, well, I'm going to buy flowers and chocolate because that's what people do. Do it the other way. I'm going to really get into, why do I love this person? What happens? What is going on here? What is that feeling? And I want to just get to a purity of that feeling. And whether that feeling is of God, love, just like I said, if you know it, you will move your butt. That's how it works. That's the test. And so I would say, let's find ways to get ourselves out of receive-only mode. Sometimes people are afraid to, to explore what it is that they believe in because they're worried that that becomes dogmatic. It doesn't have to. The things that we believe in don't have to set us apart. It is okay to share what you're excited about. I mean, if, if I found an Italian restaurant that I really love, I'm going to tell you about it even if I know you prefer Mexican food. It doesn't matter. It doesn't make us enemies. And it doesn't make me a, a, a jerk for saying, hey, I found the best lasagna on the planet. And you can go, that's cool. I'm not a lasagna person, but I'll go there with you. Maybe you can tell me about something that you enjoy. See, the conversation begins. But if I keep that part of me quiet, we got nothing to talk about. I think all too often people in unity are afraid to stand up for what they believe in, not in opposition, but in excitement, in passion. I was going to say, if I had a mission statement for my life of what I tried to do, um, warts and all, mistakes and all, <laughs> I think my mission statement would be not to convert people to the things that I think are important, but to inspire people to be their true selves, to inspire them to get excited about something. So I think my mission statement would be just be excited. 
Yes. I mean, we make fun of each other all the time because we get excited about silly things and Oh, we're pretty big geeks about a lot of weird stuff. Yeah, but it's always it's always simple things that maybe shouldn't matter. Like really good chocolate or the fact that we a, Sherlock a, is back. Yeah, right. Yeah. Or a good cup of coffee. But I think we are legitimately pleased and excited and inspired to say okay what does this mean and how can we support those people that that make the good chocolate that make the good cup of coffee that are living their fullest life that are living that potential i love to be inspired by people who are on fire who are people that are passionate i think that's my fuel in Mm -hmm. fact and i look at that and i say "Ooh, i want to be more like that so again going back i want to be somebody like that I want to be the passionate person that somebody is looking to that says, wow, she's really excited about that. Let me look into it and figure out what I'm passionate about, what I like. And it doesn't have to be the same stuff. In fact, it's weird if it's the same stuff. It's okay for there to be a diversity. A healthy ecosystem is one in which there's a diversity of species. There are a lot, and I've talked about this before, but I'm going to talk about it again. When we started Unity Society, we were aware that there are a number of organizations that are doing mighty, wonderful, beautiful works to try and define what the Unity Movement is. And I am so happy that they exist. But that's not what we're here to do. All we do is try to get people excited about these ideas, so excited that they do something about it, so excited that they live it, and they're gonna go to their individual churches. If you go to our website, there's a big part where we send find the Unity Church in your area. and on a personal level, it it bothers me a little bit that there are so many Unity churches doing all kinds of different things and some of them don't really fit in with the Unity teachings, but I'm not here to judge that. That's a personal thing. Organizationally, I just want to send people out that are so excited about Unity that they will shape what those churches offer, that they will shape what the, what the movement does. The thing that we say over and over again, and You know, I'm not this kind of guy, but if I were to trademark a phrase, it would be this. We need dedicated dreamers and bulldog believers. I've said that over and over again. I like the way it sounds. I like the alliteration. But more than that, I think that's a pretty good pattern for life. You need both. Be a dedicated dreamer. Be a bulldog believer. There are people that just dream and never do anything about it. And there are people that believe in something, but they never question it. They don't aspire. They don't have it open at the top. And you can't talk to either group of people. The dreamers that don't talk have nothing to say. And the the believers that don't want to grow have nothing to hear. And so let us be dreamers. Let us be continually looking for inspiration. Get excited about the next episode of Sherlock or White Bread. Get excited about some new growth opportunity. Get excited about your challenges and shortcomings too because if you're passionate, you'll find a way through it because the thing inside of you is bigger than whatever is going on outside of you. Find ways to continue to be open at the top, excited, but then when you find something that's true, hold on to it, believe in it, latch on to that, and let it tell you what to do next. It's that beautiful dance, that dialogue that we do when we're dedicated to dreaming and we hold on to what we believe in that will make you better and in so doing make the world a better place.
listen up segment, and this is a segment where people send us questions. We've got one that actually came in last night. Jenny and I were uh, in the mall, and somebody wrote me on Facebook. Facebook is one of the ways that you can send your questions. Once again, that's uh, facebook.com slash the Unity Society. You can contact us that way or through unitysociety.com, through Twitter, through email. Put a comment on one of our Instagram pictures. There's lots of ways, and we'll talk more about that in a little bit. But anyway, this question came through Facebook from Stacy G. And uh, Jenny, I wonder if you'd read the question. She asks, I just read your most recent blog, Raise the Bar, and I'm fully aware my thoughts and mind create more of their own kind. Mm. I have an understanding of what this election is for and raising the level of consciousness, the coming together, and all the wonderful things that will unfold. I cannot seem to draw the line when I reach out to friends to join me at events, send an email, make a phone call, and they tell me they don't want to throw negative energy towards it, and they will just be thinking loving thoughts. This infuriates me. I get tired sometimes of hearing all send love and light. I'm confused as to taking action. I always love what you have to say and respect your opinion and would welcome any words of wisdom. Help. Stacy, thank you for your question. I think in one flavor or another, it's a question that comes up for a lot of people. The issue is, how far do I go down the acceptance road versus how far do I go down the actualization road? When do I stand up and what's loving? This is a big deal. And I want to be very clear that this is not about taking one political stance or another. As we've said over and over again, and we'll continue to say over and over again, this is not about agreeing with what we say. This is about finding something so true and so beautiful that you're passionate enough about it that you stand up. That's the thing. Love stands up. There's that part in Corinthians that we read at the weddings that we've talked about before. Love rejoices with the truth. And the example that I used when, when I talked to Stacy is if somebody you loved had too much to drink and they were going to go get behind the wheel of a car, the loving thing to do is not go, well, I'm going to let you self-actualize along your journey. No, the loving thing to do is say, give me the keys, even if you've got a, right. have a disagreement there. It's not sitting you know, at the restaurant and going, well, I'm just going to hold loving thoughts that he makes at home okay. That's horrible. And that's not loving. Love does not allow people to perpetuate a lie. Love rejoices with the truth. Love does not celebrate hate. Love is love. And so it is absolutely the case that we want to be open and receptive. It is absolutely the case that we want to empower other people. It is absolutely the case that you don't know what's going on between someone else and their guidance. And so we need to let people disagree with us, do things differently. My take on this is why can't you do both? And again, not to go back to the Women's March, but I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> we were there and the frustration was there and the feeling that things are unfair, not equal. All of that was there. But we went with the intention of a higher consciousness. We went with the intention of that we are going to love these people so much that they can't, they're not going to be able to resist us. There's no room for We're hate. going to be so peaceful and so on purpose that there's no, 
it's it's the tai chi it's the you know it's the moving if somebody comes to hit you you move out of the way you don't necessarily hit back mm-hmm. so why can't it be both why can't it be i'm going to hold these loving thoughts and this loving space when a child is being rude or throwing a tantrum or whatever the loving parent is the one that says we're not going to do this honey this is not how we treat each other. We're going to treat each other with love. Love is, is that power that stands up. It makes me think of when I was in seminary a million years ago. I was, I was a kid. And I had a real problem with that part in scripture where Jesus chases the money changers out of the temple. And you know that part. Now it's one of my favorite parts. I love it because in my the movie, in my mind, Jesus sees what's going on, that something entirely inappropriate for a temple, for a house of God, for a sacred place. He sees this thing going on. And in the movie of my head, he sits down and he quietly starts making the scourge of small cords, the whip that he's going to use to scare the animals out of the, out of the temple and all of that. And quietly does that, gets up, kicks over tables and says, get out of here. Now, I love that part now. When I was younger, when I was in seminary, I couldn't handle it. Honestly, I couldn't handle it. I would have preferred to skip that part because I wanted the idea of Jesus who never does that. I was really big on the turn the other cheek Jesus, even though I didn't know what that meant either yet. And I didn't want any idea of Jesus standing up like that or even getting mad as some people say it and stuff like that. So I talked to my mentor at the time and he said, if you put your hand on a hot stove, you accidentally put your hand on the burner, are you mad at the stove? Well, it's only a fool that gets mad at the stove for being hot. But you do something about it. In fact, you might move your hand violently away. You don't go, I'm just going to be loving and accept this stove for what it is. Well, that's not, that's not how this works. And in the same way, love is the power that says this cannot happen here because love just loves. So love, the loving thing is not putting up with dysfunction. How many times have we been in a situation where we've done relationship or marital counseling with many somebody? Many times. And the person will say, you know, if I just loved them a little bit more, I would be able to put up with their, and then if you know, fill in the blank, I'd put up with their drinking or their cheating or the fact that they spent all of the rent money on Nintendo games or whatever it is. If I just loved them more, that is not love. Love is not the power that puts up with. Love is the power that insists upon the truth. The loving thing to do is say, here's how we're going to treat each other. So yes, absolutely, when you're deciding what to do about something, check yourself. Make sure you're coming from a place of love. And the test is, does this bring about oneness? Well, you know what it makes me think of when we're, when we're out on walks, on our morning walks, if we see a piece of trash or a piece of garbage, we'll go pick it up and we'll put it in the trash can. Sure. Or in the recycling bin, whichever, you yeah, know, right. whichever it goes. But if I walk past that piece of trash and say, well, there's going to be somebody else that's, gonna, that's going to pick it up and I'm just going to hold that loving thought that somebody's just going to pick up that trash. <laughs> well, that's dumb. Well, and it's a missed opportunity and 
somebody else sees you not picking up the trash, you've just given them permission, permission to, to not, not pick, pick up, it up the, either. Right, exactly. But, and again, we go back to the idea that if somebody sees me picking up a piece of trash, maybe I will inspire them to do the same. And we've both seen that happen. We've both seen... I've been on both sides of it where I have to admit that sometimes I've seen something I didn't feel like walking that far away from the path to pick it up or something and I've seen that, oh, somebody else is watching. You know what? I really ought to do that. And you know what? We're all in this together and that's beautiful. That little peer pressure is a nice thing. It's an inspiration. And we've also seen... I've seen you do it and I've done it too where I've picked up something and somebody else has given the nod saying... Or said thank you. Yeah, because we make the park nicer together, for example. Here's the test. Love is oneness. It's As Charles Fulmer says, love is the idea of universal unity. So love equals oneness. So ask yourself, of this thing that I'm going to do or not do, does this bring about a greater chance or realization potential for oneness? Does this bring about more oneness? And go in that direction. So in other words, if someone is doing something terrible, mean, they're spreading hate, they're hurting other people, whatever it is. You letting them do that is not loving because it doesn't bring about oneness. It perpetuates division and duality. We have an obligation to be a force for oneness, to stand up and show the world what love looks like. And sometimes the loving thing to do is to say, this whole world is a house of God and that will not stand. I stand up in the name of love and we're not going to go beat people up. We're not going to go get in people's faces. We're not going to go tell people that they're bad or wrong. But just like a child, you don't go, I don't like you, Timmy. You say, this behavior is not appropriate. You separate the person from the behavior. You have to believe that all people have the potential for light and love and life and all of that because we're all made out of the same stuff. But the loving thing to do is to stand up for love. Well, if you look at the most effective leaders... Gandhi, Nelson Mandela, Martin Luther King Jr. They were all doing that, but they were also moving and and full of action and and inspiring people to do the right thing. What would it have been like if Jesus had said, you know what, I'm just going to send loving thoughts to those lepers. I'm not going to go be a part of their healing. Or you know what, I know there's this thing I got to do in Jerusalem, I got an Easter date, but I'm going to just send loving thoughts. I'm not going to do anything. What if Gandhi had said, I'm just going to send loving thoughts? Or Mandela or Dr. King? What if any hero you ever had just sat and sent thoughts? That's not a world that I want to... That's not what heroes do. You know, there's a whole separate issue here that, that I just want to touch very briefly. If... God is everywhere. If love is everywhere, you can't send love anywhere because love is already there. And if I believe that there's more love here and I can send it to you, it doesn't create a very positive experience. And I wrote an article about that called Return to Sender uh, a week or so ago on the Unity Society blog. But I just wanted to touch that really briefly. One of the things along these lines that I've heard people say is, you know you get more of what you pay attention to. And so if you're on Facebook or whatever talking about how this political figure is bad and we've got to stand up, aren't you making them stronger? And there's a point in there, however, it's been used as a justification for keeping quiet. Justification for inaction. Right. And once again, I want to treat that. You're right, but you're also not right. Because, yes, of course, we can't spend our whole lives in opposition to something. But on the other hand, if someone is about to set fire to my house, 
me going, hey, don't set fire to my house, is not perpetuating arson. There's a level at which I have to go, we're going to stop this now. Now, I cannot live my life in opposition to that. I have to act in terms of love, but I have to act. There's three words here that we could have just answered the question with, but we said a lot more. The three words are, love stands up. into our check it out segment. Dieter, what are we up to? Oh man. <laughs> Go to the Unity Society website and check out the events thing. Uh, there's so much. Uh, we're speaking a lot all over the place. The book tour is really kicking in. Check out the website for more information about it. By the time you hear this, we will have done an engagement or two on the book tour and, a, and, a, and for the book signing, but we're moving forward with it. We're going all over the place. We're uh, we're going to be speaking at the Unity Church in Gainesville, Florida on March the 19th, doing a branching in service and a book signing there as well. If there's a place you'd like us to speak, if you want us to come to your town, please drop us a line. We would love to do that. We are so excited about it. And I have to say, I am just so pleasantly surprised at the feedback we're getting. So thank you so much. You can continue that feedback, by the way, by going to Amazon or wherever you got the book, writing a positive review. It really does help. But the things that people are saying are just so inspiring. And as I've said a number of times before, writing the book really made a difference for us. It helped us to get to another level in terms of our spirituality and our relationship, really, in all kinds of ways. And I love it that some flavor of that has come through for people when they read it. So thank you so much for reading Branching In and for being a part of that. We'd love to see you out on the road. Come say hi. Come tell us that you heard us in the podcast and that sort of thing. So much fun. One of the things that I'm excited about is we're going to start videotaping our Thursday night discussions. For those of you that don't know, that aren't in the area, every Thursday night at 7, we have a little bit of a get-together at our house, and we sit and we talk about things that are important to us things that are on our hearts and we've decided that we are going to start taking video of those so that people that aren't in this location can start to be a part of it yeah it's, it's really informal it's just in our living room and i love that but our living room is only so big and so there's going to be a time in the not so distant future where you can sort of tune in and be part of our virtual living room and come sit at that extended table and uh, be a part of the conversation. And we're exploring ways to empower the dialogue part of that and also so people can just see what's going on. It's going to be a lot of fun. Stay tuned for more information about that. It's evolving into something really fun and really interesting and I'm excited to see where it's going to go. So yeah, please stay tuned and there's exciting things going on. Absolutely. And I want to say also that, as I've mentioned, there's lots of ways to get in touch with us. We really want to hear from you. We are still figuring out what this podcast needs to be. We're getting better at it, I think. But also what we really would like to have is some feedback. So let us know. Get in touch with us. And you can do that by going to unitysociety.com. You can contact us on facebook.com slash theunitysociety. Twitter is at theunitysociety. Instagram is theunitysociety as well. My private Instagram is Jenny A. Randolph. And mine is Dieter underscore Randolph, and I'm also Dieter uh, at Twitter. And uh, there's just all kinds of ways to get in touch. Let us know. And as always, we are 
often at First Unity Spiritual Campus. That's firstunity.org. You can find us there a lot when we're not on the road. But once again, we expect to be on the road an awful lot this year, so come find us. We would love to come to a town near you. Dieter, let's uh, wrap it up. Like we said, the trick to all of this is to find something, some idea that you are so excited about that it's not just an idea, it's a feeling. And it's a feeling that's, that's so profound that it's not just a feeling, it's an experience, it's an action. Take something inside of you and fan that spark into a flame that you have to share. That's how this works. Yes, of course, there, there is so many books within the Unity canon to read. There are so many things you can do, so many workshops you can go to, and all of it is wonderful, beautiful. We want you to go to ours. But at the end of the day, what it's about is find that spark of good, love, truth, beauty, justice within yourself and go where it leads because that's what will make you a better person. That's what makes the world a better place. Love stands up, but you don't even have to worry about taking action. Get an idea so profound that you can't help it. Sometimes people want to sit still, but I tell you, if all you want to do is sit still, then maybe you're not as in touch with that idea as you thought. Find an idea that you can't hold still about, that you can't shut up about, that you got to do something about, and man, oh man, you are on the right track. The Unity Society podcast is recorded at Pinfeather Studios. And our amazing sound engineer and uh, musician is the handsome and strong Raina Randolph. And the other musician is the lovely and talented Miles Randolph. They are amazing. Check out what they're doing on the internet as well. Our podcast is also solely supported by your love. What that means is... Thanks for listening. Spread the word. Go to wherever you encounter this podcast, whether it's iTunes or Stitcher or Google Play or TuneIn or SoundCloud, and write a positive review. Send us some feedback. That's the support that we require. Help spread the word. Have a great week, everybody.